Today we're looking at four, count them, four position groups ahead of the spring game this Saturday. All the pass catchers, the wide receivers and the tight ends, and the big boys up front, the offensive line and the defensive line, plus a mailbag question. All football coming up today. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thank you for making this your first listen or your first view if you're watching on YouTube every day. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single weekday. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has it covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We will hit every position group. This week ahead of the spring game, because I want all of you fans to know who to look for, what number they're wearing, maybe a little tidbit about some of them and just the biggest names and storylines to look at this Saturday with the spring game, which, man, I I can't wait. I can't wait to have actual football. I'm also excited, as Dan Lanning has said, that it's going to look more like a regular game where I think you'll have some starters and some reserves on either side and split up the quarterbacks and all that sort of stuff. But we've talked about quarterbacks. We've talked about running backs. Let's get to the guys who all these quarterbacks will be throwing the ball to this week. So we start with the wide receivers. Number one, Chris Hutz. I'll just go down the list first, and then I'll talk about you know the, the most notable guys in there. Chris Hudson will wear number one. Dante Thornton, number two. Hudson was 14 last year, and Thornton was 10. Isaiah Crocker is number six. Seven McGee is wearing number seven. Oh, my gosh, is that fantastic or what? Troy Franklin is still number 11. Justice Lowe will wear number 14. Isaiah Brevard, number 15. Chase Cota, number 23. Cole Brosterhouse, uh, transfer from Western Oregon, number 81. Josh Delgado, number 83. Malachi Russell, number 85. And Vaughn Reams, number 87. So a couple of things on the most notable guys in there. I think Chris Hudson has the potential to be really, really good. He showed that last year in what was kind of a sneakily crowded receiver room with Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, Devin Williams was the number one. And Hudson as a freshman, you know, started a little bit slow. He struggled with some penalties. He fumbled the ball a couple times. There was, of course, the incident in the Arizona game where Mario Cristobal was chewing him out for a dumb penalty. But he clearly grew over this course of the season and really started to emerge as a top target for Anthony Brown last year, who, as we know, didn't trust wide receivers a whole lot and struggled to get them the ball. But the guy who he got it to the most consistently down the stretch was Chris Hudson. I think his speed, his grit and, and just quality route running from the slot makes him a really viable top option as a wide receiver. And I think he could be poised to take a big leap. The other questions I have about the wide receiver room, and I'm fascinated to see how this all plays out and who knows if it'll be a real depth chart this Saturday, you know, when guys play with the ones or the twos or all that sort of stuff. I'll be fascinated to see which of the skinnies is going to kind of emerge because I think we all see the potential with Troy Franklin and Dante Thornton. Both were highly rated recruits, by the way. If, if memory serves, they're two of the 20 highest rated recruits in Oregon football history from a 24-7 composite rating perspective. And as wide receivers go, they're the top two that are not uh, De'Anthony Thomas, who I guess was an athlete, and Cameron Colvin as well. So 
Those two guys have a lot of potential, and we've seen that, right? We saw flashes of it last year. Franklin got more action throughout the course of the season than did Dante Thornton, who you know emerged a little bit there in the Alamo Bowl against Oklahoma, caught some downfield passes. He's got a big, big frame, but they're called the skinnies for a reason. Neither is a particularly big dude, but with Devin Williams leaving, and he was 6'4", about 210 pounds, he was our number one wide receiver last year, and he was the guy who – you could throw a 50-50 ball to, or it would stretch the field running from the outside, right? Hudson can do that from the slot, but he's smaller, so I don't think he's going to line up out wide as much. But Franklin and Thornton, I think, will pretty often. And so I'll be interested to see how those two guys are able to capitalize on the opportunity that's in front of them, because I don't think that it's going to be a, a, an offense where we're passing so much that both could have, you know, 1,000-yard seasons, but could I see one of them getting to that threshold? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think they're that talented if they can build that sort of chemistry with whoever Oregon's starting quarterback ends up being, which is most likely going to be Bo Nix. So some other names in there, you know, Justice Lowe, the freshman from Lake Oswego, three star that we flipped from from Utah to come to the Ducks. Chase Coda, Jeff Mail, same guy. <laughs> no, not exactly the same guy, but both wear number 23, similar size, similar athleticism. So I think Coda brings a really important veteran presence to the room. And, and I think that's just such a tremendously helpful thing, even though it's just going to be for one season for the aforementioned Dante Thornton and, and Troy Franklin, because when you're a young guy trying to acclimate yourself to the college game, everybody needs, you know, good coaching, obviously, but you also need guys in the locker room who you can kind of rely on, who you're asking questions to at practice. And Chase Code has been around the block. It'll be a new offense for everybody, but, from a game-by-game -game perspective, Chase Cota has played plenty of college football to know enough you know, to where he can give advice to these sorts of guys. And I think that's a really, really good thing for, for both of those wide receivers. So uh, I'm excited to see how that happens or, or how, how that all plays out. And you know, I, I'm also interested to see how impactful Chase Cota will be because I think of him first and foremost right now as the veteran presence to help the young guys, but he's also a very capable wide receiver. And I think you can line him up in the slot or you can line him up outside as well. So while he also has the opportunity to, to mentor those young guys, Franklin and Thornton, he also has the opportunity to compete with them. And I think that could, that could help them, you know, have to push themselves to, to be at their very best. So I think that's, that's a good thing. Let's run through the, the tight ends here as well, because we got plenty to get to on the show. So, just going down the roster, tight ends that are listed on GoDucks.com. You got Terrence Ferguson. He's wearing number three after wearing number 19 last year. Spencer Webb was number 18. He's now number four. Maliki Matavau, the best blocking tight end of the bunch, will wear number eight. Cam McCormick, still there. He is still there, number 84. Patrick Herbert, number 88. And Tyler Nanny, number 89. So, Nanny, probably not a guy who will see the field because I think this is arguably Oregon's deepest and most talented unit of any of the ones that I'll preview this week. I mean, it's Ferguson, Webb, and Mataval. I love all of them. I think Webb is probably the best pass catcher. I think Ferguson is the most athletic, and Mataval is the best blocker. They represent such an elite trio that... I don't really know how they're going to play in the offense. Now, there's been a lot of talk of using them as an H-back, you know, where you line them up kind of as an offset uh, offset tight end, basically, who's kind of behind a guard in, in the backfield. I'm on board with 
all of that with these guys. They're all super, super capable. And those are the three that played the most last year. And they showed us a lot as Duck fans. They really did. If you watch the limited catches that they had, they were all really productive. Montevau had the touchdown against Ohio State as a true freshman. Ferguson had that play in the Alamo Bowl where he just catches a drag, sheds a blocker or a would-be tackler. And and then sprints forward. He's got great acceleration in space, made a nice play against Oregon State as well. And Spencer Webb, we know that he's got great hands, really, really good hands. And I think he's a guy who you could line up kind of how Stanford does with their tight ends, line them up out wide, throw a fade in the end zone. I think Webb is probably the most well-suited to do that. Ferguson, the most explosive and Matavau easily, easily the best blocker, but all of them are capable. And that's really important. I want to touch on the tight ends just a little bit more. First, I want to tell you about Athletic Greens. If you're looking for better gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Just one scoop a day that doesn't cost you very much, that is diet-friendly, lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it fits into all of that. It's less than $3 a day, and you're investing in your health with over 7,000 five-star reviews. This is a product you want to check out. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college slash college. That is athleticgreens.com slash college. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That was a struggle there saying the word uh, <laughs> insurance and such anyway, or college anyway. So the other thing with the tight ends is those three we know, right? Ferguson, Webb, Montevall. But Cam McCormick is in there. Patrick Herbert is in there. We've seen Cam McCormick in very brief glimpses. But this guy has had the worst luck of anyone you can imagine when it comes to injuries. He's like the Greg Odin of, of injuries, unfortunately. Because I think he's a really talented, capable guy. He's a big body. He's got good hands. He's a solid blocker. He's adding more depth to the room by still being on the roster. He missed 2018, 2019, 2020, and then got injured in the Ohio State game, second of the year, to miss the rest of 2021. That's four straight years. That guy's so easy to root for. So with a red shirt, this season is going to be his seventh year of college football. Seventh. That's awesome. I mean, I it's so awesome. It's not awesome that he's had the injuries. It's awesome that he is so determined that he is so driven to get on the football field and produce. I hope that in a game this year, he catches a big touchdown, by the way, caught a first down that led to a touchdown that Ohio state game and then got hurt. And it's just, it's just brutal. And then Patrick Herbert is in there who according to 24 seven sports, when he came out was the top recruit in the state of Oregon. He's a four-star tight end. Hasn't seen the field really in, in live game action. So I, I feel so good about the tight end room, and I, I hope that they get used in an H-back formation because they have a bunch of talent, they have a lot of versatility, and they have a lot of depth. So th they're definitely players that I hope offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham is going to be able to, to capitalize here with, uh, with the offense in 2022. And so I'll be interested, interested to see where they line up and how they are utilized in the spring game. And then we'll monitor all of that going forward. And again, going through the numbers, Ferguson is three, Webb is four, Matavau eight, McCormick 84, Herbert 88, and then Tyler Nanny is 89. All right, next group, offensive line, a position that keeps getting thinner and thinner, right? You've got the addition of Josh Connerly, but he's not there yet. That'll be a, a summer enrollee sort of deal in the class of 2022. So, you know, they lost Jonathan Dennis and Jalen Jeffers. 
And now former four-star recruit Jonah Miller, who had actually switched the defensive side of the ball. He uh, he's leaving the program as well. That was probably to free up scholarships. They just don't have, you know, that, that many available. And they've been bringing in a lot of guys as well. Um, you know, especially with Kyler Casper recommitting to the class of 2022. So I think that probably played into part of the reason some of these guys left, but the offensive line, there's a lot of bodies there, but there's not a lot of names outside of the top guys that, you know, I would say are ready to, to play immediately. So you got Ryan walk number 53. He's a starter from last year. So is TJ Bass still rocking number 56, Dawson Jaramillo, number 70, big Sala, number 71, Steven Jones, 74 and Alex Forsyth, 78. Those are the guys who we know are going to anchor this offensive line, which is probably the strongest unit, right? I was talking up the tight ends a moment ago, and I truly believe that they are very, very good and very, very deep. But this offensive line was probably the best in the Pac-12 last year, and they're all back except for George Moore the fourth. So I, I'm very, very confident in this offensive line, but if they had a couple injuries here and there, right, Dawson Jaramillo would have to step up. He's a guy who rotated in and out, played a couple of positions. So did Ryan Walk and TJ Bass. They've moved around a lot. But other guys, Marcus Harper, number 55, he was a three-star recruit and is a sophomore, hasn't really seen the field. Number 60, Kanan Rossi, who went to Sunset High School, but not a big-time recruit. He was number 89, I think, in the state of Oregon. So he's more of a he's more of a practice squad kind of guy. Charlie Pickard, three-star from Jesuit, haven't seen him a lot. Cole Young, Bailey Jaramillo. Bram Walden, I think, is the name to watch out for if there's an injury in this unit uh, once the season rolls around because he's kind of the highest rated recruit. He's a four-star from Scottsdale. I think with all the transfers, his name is probably moving up the depth chart and is somebody who, at least from a recruiting perspective, has the most potential to to be an impact offensive lineman should, should some of these guys go down, which you certainly don't want to happen, but it's just a reality. You know, Alex Forsyth missed a bunch of games last year. Ryan Walk had to take snaps at center. Then they moved George Moore around. TJ Bass was uh, going from left guard to left tackle. So I like the positional versatility a lot. I like the depth. I like the experience that they have coming back. But it just feels like they're a little bit, uh, you know, walking on eggshells, so to speak, with with just experience. You know, they don't have guys who have been in the program for a number of years who are expected to be starters, right? And, and that's why we might see if there's an injury too. Maybe Josh Connerly shoots up the depth chart. You, you never know. But Bram Walden, I think, would be uh, the, the guys or one of the guys who, who would be a candidate to to step in should a major injury take place. Uh, you also have uh, Fiope Lalulu. Lalalu, mm, I'm sorry, that was that was not even close. Uh, he's wearing number 75, Michael Wooten number 77. So I'm sure we'll see all these guys at, at some point, you know, in the spring game. But as you look at the offensive line, I feel really, really good about it. I, I truly do, and I just think that I hope, I hope they can stay healthy more than any other position because they're really going to be the anchor of this team as they were a season ago. Let's go to the guys that they're blocking in practice, and those are the defensive linemen. So. You've got the defensive end position. I've mentioned this before and why I've said I think it's potentially a position of weakness, depending on how they use, you know, outside linebackers like Anthony Jones or DJ Johnson, who are probably going to be defensive ends. But there's only two defensive ends listed on the roster. Brandon Dorless is one. Maybe they're going to shift him out there. Braden Swinson is the other, who was a solid player last year, but he's not an anchor type uh anchor type guy on on the defensive line who you can rely on to consistently get after the quarterback he'll have a sack every now and then make some nice plays but 
if he were to make a leap this year, that would do a lot for Oregon's defense because I just don't know how they're going to get after the passer. So Dorless is going to wear number three again, Swinson number 44, and then the guys that they'll be joined by on the defensive line. So Popo Almavai, who was the second highest rated defensive lineman or interior defensive lineman in the Pac-12 last year, number one, of course, Brandon Dorless. He's wearing number 50 again, Louis Cresto, 51, Sam Taimani, the Washington transfer and the fifth highest graded interior defensive lineman last year in the Pac-12. He's wearing number 55, Jackson Powers Johnson, who was an offensive lineman, has switched over to defensive line. And I just wonder, because there appears to be a little bit more depth in, in this particular unit, if at some point he doesn't have to switch back to offensive line, maybe... You know, they feel confident in the guys who are there who we just haven't heard from on the offensive side. But Jackson Powers Johnson, number 58, looked like he could hold his own in the Alamo Bowl and was, you know, a solid player out there. Practice reports have been good about him, too. Jake Shipley's number 90. Christian Williams, guy we've seen sparingly over the last uh, season or so. Number 91, Suava Pote, 94. Keon Ware Hudson. He could pop. I think if he does, he's wearing number 95. So look for him in the spring game this week. See if he maybe has a chance to shoot up the depth chart, kind of be the second uh, on the second line of defensive tackles, along with Sam Taimani, who will be behind Almavai and Dorless. And then number seven, Michael Efese. And then number 99, Keanu Williams. So those are the big guys up front on, on either side to look for in the spring game this weekend. And man, I'm, I'm so stoked for it. I just, I want to see. I want to see all these guys. I want to see what sort of players are going to stand out that we didn't expect. I want to see which guys are going to, you know, overperform even perhaps some high expectations. Maybe we see Jeffrey Bassa, who, if you've been with me for a while, you know I'm a huge fan of. Maybe he looks even better. Maybe he is more suited to play outside linebacker than strong safety, which is where I'd want to play him. So that's the offensive line, the defensive line, wide receivers, tight ends. We got through all of that. And before we get to the mailbag, I have to tell you about Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of Major League Baseball, which, as you can tell if you're watching on YouTube, I'm a fan of. Go Mariners, Pacific Northwest kid through and through. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so if you want a question answered here on the show, remember, there are a few ways that you can do that. Tweet the hashtag AskLODPod, or you just slide right up into the DMs. At LockedOnDucks is the Twitter account of the show that you should be following along with to keep up with the episodes and latest breaking news from the Ducks. Or my personal handle, if you're watching on YouTube, right there, at Smalls underscore 55. And you can call me Smalls if you want. Lots of people do. So... This mailbag question comes in from Parker Bales, who DM me at Locked on Ducks, which is perfectly acceptable. And this is what Parker asked. I feel the biggest gap between Oregon and the top tier of college football is the D-line and quarterback play. Sometimes true. What D-linemen are Oregon heavily recruiting in the 2023 cycle? I think this is a really great question. So first I want to address the... The, the second part of it, the biggest gap between Oregon and the top tier college football D-line, I think until Kayvon Thibodeau, that's really been the case. If you, if you think back to that that 2010 national championship team for, for Oregon, 
they didn't have a lot of NFL bodies. I talked about that recently and why, you know, we pay so much attention to recruiting and why it's so important because you just have to have the guys in the trenches sometimes. And Oregon's offensive line was outmatched. Their defensive line, I think, held up much better than the O-line, but Nick Fairley dominated that game and we just couldn't block him so Michael could not get going. But when you look at the 2014-15 team that won the Rose Bowl and got to the national championship game, I think that defensive line was able to hold up. And so they've had some really good ones come through. I mean, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, both Pro Bowl caliber players who were top 10 NFL draft picks. Thibodeau will be the next one. I think in that sense, Oregon has shown they're capable of getting those sorts of guys. But it's the linebackers way that we're missing. Because if you think back to that 2015 national championship game, biggest reason Oregon lost. We couldn't stop Cardell Jones and Zeke Elliott on third and fourth down and less than four yards, right? We just couldn't bring them down in time. And there were some good players on that Oregon team. But I think when you look at the linebacking unit, it's where the Ducks were missing out the, the most. And since then, our recruiting profile has certainly been elevated with what Taggart and Cristobal showed is capable for the Ducks. And now I think Lanning and the staff are going to continue that. But I think Oregon has a much better chance. If you give that 2014-15 team these Oregon linebackers, Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, I think they have a much better shot of at least keeping that game close rather than Ohio State pulling away at, at the end. I mean, it's close for about three quarters, but then the Buckeyes were able to, you know, just kind of control the game down the stretch with the running attack. That defensive line was, I think, as good as Oregon has ever had with, you know, Buckner and Armstead there. But I think they were a little bit smaller and, and didn't have the the bodies necessary at the linebacking level in order to in order to stop Zeke Elliott and Cardell Jones successfully. You know, I mean, thinking back to that 2010 team, Casey Matthews and those guys, yeah, it was tough against Cam Newton, but everybody had a tough time. And that defense also shut down Cam Newton more than the 2015 team was able to, to slow down Cardell Jones and that Buckeyes offense. So I think the other thing is Urban Meyer's a really good coach, and he's a better game day coach than, than Mark Helfrich was, though that year Helfrich was clearly more than capable beating Florida State 59 to 20 and whatnot. But I think the defensive line is certainly an area where the SEC has got a higher brand, right? They send more guys to the NFL. But I think Oregon is caught up from a recruiting standpoint in, in that respect. And the proof of the pudding in that is the sort of guys that they're looking at in the class of 2023. So the second part of the question was, what D-lineman in Oregon heavily recruiting in the 2023 cycle? Also, I don't think the quarterback play is that far apart. It has been the last couple of years, but we know what Justin Herbert's capable of and Mariota. And I mean, look at some of the quarterbacks we've gotten to national championship games, right? There's Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence over here. And then there's Nick Marshall and Stetson Bennett over there. So I don't think Oregon's as far behind there. And I think they they've gained substantial ground in being able to bring in the sorts of defensive line, but the, the headliner right now in the class of 2023 is Jaden Wayne, who's going to be at the spring game. And we'll talk about him tomorrow with John Garcia of Sports Illustrated, which is why you should like and subscribe wherever you are listening to and or watching the show if you have not already. Also, five-star reviews, nice comments. We like that stuff too. So Jaden Wayne's the headliner, the five-star defensive end or edge player from the Tacoma area. He's got a similar build to Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't think he's quite the the I don't think he's quite as physically talented as Thibodeau is, but that's kind of the the biggest target right now, you know, the biggest fish in the pond, so to speak, in 2023. But there are others as well. Mateo Uyunglele, DJ Uyunglele, Clemson quarterback. That's his brother. He's a five-star edge from St. John Bosco High School in California. 
that's a guy that the Ducks are getting after. And interestingly enough, though Wayne has gotten plenty of attention, if you look on 24-7, the only edge player with a quote-unquote warm interest from Oregon rather than the other two, which are cool right now, you know, it's 2023, it's a ways away, but guy by the name of Chandavian Bradley, five-star edge player from Platte City, Missouri. And remember, Dan Lanning is originally from the state of Missouri and brought onto his staff a coach, a high school coach whose name is eluding me right now, but he has ties to that area as well. And so I, I think Wayne and Uyunglele have garnered the most attention, but I would keep your eye on, on Chandavian Bradley as well. But those are the edge players, right? So what about the interior defensive line, right? The, the real big boys up front, the run stuffers. So there is one commit in the class of 2023 from Layton, Utah. His name is Tavita Pomee. He's a three-star who is 6'3", 315 pounds, and he has committed. He and Cole Martin are the only 2023 commits right now. Martin, who's a top 10 defensive back out of Arizona, son of DB's coach Demetrius Martin. So he's coming from Arizona up to play for the Ducks in 2023. And then another guy to look for on the defensive line is um, Hunter Osborne, four-star from Trustville, Alabama, who also has a warm designation, which might not mean a ton right now, and a lot of things can change. But when you have that this early in the process, to me, as it would you know probably seem obvious, is indicating that the Ducks have that have their eye on him for a particular reason. And an interesting note here, and I'll finish up this question from from Parker. They've offered twenty five players on the defensive line right now in the class of 2023 and 11 edge players on the defensive line, meaning like guys who play more interior, but could maybe swing outside like Brandon Dorless, but are mostly defensive tackle sort of guys. There's 10, four stars who, who haven't committed that they've offered. And one five star who's uh, who's David Hicks from Katy, Texas is his name. That's the five star interior defensive lineman that, that they've offered. But it seems that they, I don't know if it's intentional or just the way things are shaping out, but it seems like they're going after the higher caliber edge players. And I wonder if Thibodeau, who classifies as an edge player, is the reason that, that Oregon maybe has a little bit more legitimacy or a little bit more prowess in that sense, because they've offered 11 edge players, but five of them are four stars and three of them are five stars, right? The guys I mentioned earlier, Jaden Wayne, uh, Chandavian Bradley, and Mateo Uyunglele. So those are kind of the big names. And I, I think that, if Oregon could get, you know, just one of those five-star guys, I think they'd be in really good shape because that's a hole on the roster right now. We'll see if they fill it before, you know, the 2022 season starts. But Parker, I appreciate the question, man. Keep them coming. Remember at locked on ducks at smalls underscore 55 or tweet with the hashtag ask LOD pod and you get your questions answered by yours truly right here on the show. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and 